So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. Amazing, Scott Zukin. This information is for everyone at any stage of their game. I will be making this required listening for all my staff. Also, I'm recommending this to anyone who wants to take their career to the next level. Pat, you are a rock star. Thank you, Scott. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want, or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first, and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation. Wow, I have a super returning guest. I get Mr. Martin Bauma on the line, and I've known Martin for many years now. We used to teach together, and we are brothers of Howard Brinton Enterprises, and uh, we have some history there. And, and Martin's been on the show once before, and he has done some incredible growth since he came on last. It was about 200 some episodes ago. So it's been a while. And I thought, man, I need to find out what he's doing to, to jump because so many years in his career, he just increased a little, increased a little like many of us do. And then this past year has just gone crazy. And so we're going to dig deep into how to build a business and how to build a business that you can walk away from eventually and do like Martin has done. He has really been a master of leverage. So uh, without further ado, Martin, welcome back. Hello, Pat. How are you doing? Great to talk with you again. So Martin, why don't you give everybody a rundown on yourself so they can get to know you better? Yeah. Real quick rundown. I've been doing this now for uh, 31 years and I have a team of 14 people and For years, I loved being in the trenches. I I actually loved the listing side of the business and thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. But over the last year or so, I realized I wanted to delve more into leadership. And so what I've done is started to hone my business so that I can slowly step out of production and lead my team as opposed to being in the trenches. And we've grown, uh, you know, as I've implemented different systems, my business two years ago, or last time I spoke with Pat, I think was we were doing about 60 million. This last year, we just closed on 103 million. And we had two phenomenal growth years. Uh, two years ago, we grew 38% in one year. And last year, we grew 25%. And this year, it's, uh, we were on track for 25% growth, but we got pinched a little bit here in the summertime, and we're going to see if we can catch that up. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to dig deep into what exactly you did to get there. So first of all, let's get in some nitty gritty. What, uh, Martin, how many houses did you sell last year? Last year was about 315 houses. All right. So that's no joke. So what was your ECI, Martin, as we like to say, your ego commission income? My gross commission income? Yes. You're just- was, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, about 2.8, about 2.85 million. Oh, sweet. And then what was your profit margin? My profit margin was, I took over to home just a little over a million. Sweet. I don't have the exact number, but it was like oh, a million fifty awesome. or something. That's awesome. How many years have you done that, do you think, where you took home over a million? 
this point, maybe over a million, probably three or four years, That's five awesome. years, no, about four, three or four years. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, now one question, what are you doing with that? Are you, what do you have left to invest? Like after you're spending it on your kids and your family and luxuries, how much do you have left over to invest and what are you investing in? I'm probably, yeah, you're acting numbers. I don't have my numbers in front of me, but I would say probably investing about, oh, 300,000 a year. That's great. That's great. So your LTI left to invest is 300 grand. And are you going stock market? You buying real estate? What are you doing? Buying real estate, stock market. Those are mostly the two things we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Just buy and holds. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Beautiful. All right. So let's talk about this growth here. So what, what would you say, first of all, your business right now, what percentage is buyers? What percentage is listings? It's 55% buyers and 45% listings. Okay. And that's a trend that I have seen, you know, that's inevitable. And it's not that it's inevitable. I see it with a lot of big teams now where they're starting to slide more and more into buyers and less and less into listings. So what have you done differently in the past two years that's created this growth? You know, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, think you have to do this major got to find this big shiny object that's going to change your business. What we've done is literally just gone through and we tweaked everything, right? So a little bit of 5% here and doing this, you know, cause 5% growth there. It's a whole bunch of little tweaks that we did in our systems and you know, it adds up pretty fast, right? Even something as simple as instead of just holding a regular open house, doing an open house with proper marketing and inviting the neighbors and doing incredible follow through and and all those type of things. We developed systems in our office to ensure that we respond to leads within five minutes and put follow-up. I mean, that in itself, you'd be surprised how much growth you can get from that kind of accountability. And so it's just tweaking a whole bunch of little systems that, that we've always used. Okay, so let's talk about some specifics. So what specifically do you do now to make an open house better? Well, what we're starting to do now is, first of all, we're sending out an open house postcard the week before to invite the neighbors. What we're having our staff, and we're just starting this, I'm having them call, you know, maybe the 20, 30 houses around the open house. We have a whole bunch of signs put up. We don't have just one plopped in front of the house. We try to put as, sometimes as many as seven, eight, nine, ten signs up for open house. And we're going to start going. There's an agent in town who almost creates a festivity thing at the open house with gifts and things like that. And so we're looking into doing that. But a lot of it is just really exposing yourself to the neighborhood so that you get introduced to the you know future sellers. And then just really following up with these people that you meet. I think that's the biggest mistake people make. They do the hard work to meet people and then they don't do the follow-up. And I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes we make in this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Follow up. A lot of people say, if you could say one word that determines a great agent from a good agent. And I think that's the one word or set of words is follow up. So what other tweaks have you made? Like uh, give us some specifics. So people listening, driving down the road could say, oh, that's an awesome tweak that uh, Martin made here. I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. We like following up with our clients. You know, we've really, you know, finessed in on that. Like for instance, we're very religious now with, you know, putting it on a monthly mailing system, a monthly email newsletter, Market snapshots, we put every single lead we have on a market snapshot, and we just made a real you know, absolute effort to do that. We send a handwritten birthday card with a certificate to an ice cream a joint in town that's very popular, and every client gets one of those on their birthday. 
anniversary cards, a handwritten note congratulating them on the anniversary of their home. We do a pumpkin giveaway in the fall. And, you know, last year we had almost 500 people who come into the office. And again, it's an incredible opportunity to connect with our clients. And we also do a, a locally in town. And this has been a very successful for us. It's the 100th home sale. And on our 100th home sale, we donate. We used to say we're going to donate the commission. Now we just simply this year said we're donating $13,000 to a number of charities. And what we do for a period of three weeks, the community votes on six charities. And the one with the most votes gets the, you know, the first prize, which is, I think this year was $5,000. And there's a second, third, fourth, and fifth prize all the way down to $1,000 a piece. And the fascinating thing about that is these organizations are marketing us to their database to get as many people to come to our website to vote for this you know, donation. And so it's just all those sort of things that we do, you know, just really staying in touch with our past clients. I like and, that. And, and expanding. So they have to register name and email. Yeah. They vote. Yeah. 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 I like that. I like that a lot, actually. It kind of reminds me of The Secret Millionaire. Remember that TV show? The Secret Millionaire? I don't. It was um, basically had a millionaire, you know, dressed down for a week and pretend that they were a volunteer at like four different charities and they filmed it. And they told him, we're just filming volunteers at a charity. But then at the end of the week, he had to pick which charity to give the money to. He was donating X amount of money, whatever it was, right? A large amount of his own money. And then he would pick one and say, oh, the one that I like most is this one. And it's kind of like the same thing. You're allowing people to be the decision of where the money is going to go. And it's a significant amount, yep. too. so it's worthwhile to get everybody to vote for because a $5,000 donation to a charity is like, could be game-changing for that charity. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And you do that. And the fun day. part is the whole community gets involved. Yeah. And then the whole community yep. gives you their email address, and then you get them involved next year to vote again. And yeah, or or yeah. even next quarter, right? Because you're doing, you know, if you're doing 400 houses a year, that's you're doing that four times, right? No, we do it once. I think if you did it four times, it'd probably be too much. So we just do it on the very first hundred. When we started doing this, we did do 200 sales. I get. But we we used to pick one charity and just give the money. What's that? Okay, so whenever you hit a hundred, boom, thirteen thousand. Right, right, right. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999.
All right, so let's talk about how your team's broken up. You've got, why don't you run it down? What does your 14-person team look like? Yeah, so I've got myself, I list properties, and I've got, and like I said, at this point, I'm almost out. My goal is by the end of September, I will be out completely. I have one listing specialist who's been with me for a year, and I just hired a second one about six months ago. And so those two are now actively listing. And like I said, by the end of September, I will no longer be doing that. I have got a listing manager, and she's the one who gets us ready for our appointments and sort of is, is the you know client care person for our listings. And then she has an assistant that helps her. I've got one closing manager, and once property's going to contract to close, she is the one who steps in for that. She negotiates the building inspections. She attends all the closings. She has got, I've got, as you know, I've got brought on a second closing manager. And then I have an assistant to the two of them who basically does all the paper, pushes the paperwork and things like that. I have got four buyer's agents and two of them have been with me 15 years. And one of the other areas where we really tweaked is, you know, I realized these two buyer's agents were phenomenally successful, knew the market like the back of their hand, very, very good at converting because of the market knowledge and they had reached a cap. And so they both now have assistants. And you can call them a showing assistant, the admin assistant, I don't know, you know, it's whatever you want. They basically help show properties when needed and they're in the office, you know, getting them ready for appointments and giving feedback and writing contracts and uh, following up on their leads and all that kind of stuff. And that's been also a big push where we've seen a lot of growth. And then I've got a full-time marketing person and a receptionist. Okay. Wow. Okay. So let me go back a little bit. So tell like this assistant, who pays for them? But the assistant, they, the agent gets 35% and the assistant gets 15. Really? So yeah. and you have to, like, did these agents, these two agents, did they have to sell mm-hmm. a certain amount of houses before they were eligible for this uh, program? Yeah, they were both doing, they were both hitting 15, 17 million in business. Like, you know, they were starting to get a 10 to 15 and, and reaching a cap at that point. And so... Last year, Scott, I think, I want to say, I think he did $21 million What do you mean sale. by reaching a cap at that point? I mean, they couldn't work. You know, there were no more hours in the day for them to do that. Oh, work. I see. You know what I'm saying? They capped they, they out time-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time-wise, they were maxed out. They were yeah. stuck. Okay. And especially, yeah, yeah. And especially with this market where, you know, you, you, you write five offers because four of them didn't get accepted due to multiple. You know, it's been a tough market. So what, what split were they on before? you know, they jumped in on this assistant program. Yeah, they were on 40%. So they and lost So basically, five. they lost five, I lost 10. However, their increased productivity more than makes up for it. And it's proven itself, it, right? It's proven itself. And, they and the other thing too, they love it and they have a life and they both make over 200,000, you know what I mean? So and you they're happy. Yeah, you still make 50%. Yeah. What's, what's the assistant make? The assistant makes 15%. I know, like, but so like, Scott what makes does 35. That end up to? Okay. Some people th- driving down the road might be thinking, heck, you know, the assistant might make more than the agent. But I, I guess if the assistant's only working for the agent, they're basically going to make half of what the agent makes almost, or about 40% of what they Like make. roughly. Yeah. So they'll make yeah, 80,000. Yeah, yeah. The assistant makes 200. <laughs> you make 280. Wow, that's a great deal. So how do you know when an agent, other than their production level, is it just you know, the proof's in the pudding, you know, if you've got a bunch of agents and, and one or two of them are just kicking butt consistently and you want to make sure you retain them, 
you just do something like this? Is that pretty much the proof in the pudding? You know, you don't really analyze it. They're just knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Um, you know what I've noticed? You know, the, the one thing is, you know, we all want our salespeople to be accountable, do the lead follow-up, do all that kind of stuff, right? We all want that. Well, I beat my head against the wall long enough to realize salespeople don't like doing that, right? And so when you get to a point where a good salesperson is too busy to do the follow-up, or they're not even doing it sometimes, right? But yeah, they're right. selling and let's bring on an admin person. You know, their assistants are not salesperson-minded. They're admin people who happen to show property. As I think a lot of times what happens is people put salespeople in that position. And uh, then they're still stuck with someone who's not doing the accountability, who's not following up on the leads, who's not entering the data properly. I'm a strong believer in data. And I tell my team nonstop, says, you guys, when you're prospecting, when you're making these calls, keep in mind, this is all about data collection. You know, I'd rather you make 10 good calls a day and collect as much data about that person. Like, you know, the kids graduated from college in two years, which means they might want to, you know, all that kind of stuff, as opposed to making 200 phone calls and just say, hey, do you need to sell a house? You know what I mean? It's, I'm a very strong believer in data collection because that's what your future, but that's where the pipeline comes from, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the more you know, the more they, they feel like they know you, you know what I mean? Right. Correct. Okay. So take me through this process because this is really good. Like they're doing the, the assistant's doing the follow-up for the agent, which is awesome. How do you divvy up your leads so that it goes from the assistant. Like, take me through. If I were to call your office right now and say, how much is this house on Umptium Street? What would happen? Okay, we generally speak, like Scott and Heidi, who have been with me 15 years, they do the upper price points. Okay, generally speaking, 300 and above. And then I've got two other agents, Darlene and Greg, who do 300 and below. And so at any one point, now Scott and Heidi are busy. They're on the road a lot. And so their assistants are in the office. We try our best to have every lead talk directly to a salesperson out the door, if possible. If not possible, they'll talk to the assistant. And then we, how we did deviate up is they have floor time. You know, they each, uh, they do half a day at a time. And so, you know, what will happen is, of course, if they're out showing property or whatever, we'll give the call to whoever's available in the office. We generally will always have at least one buyer's agent in the office. And then they will take the call and hand it off to the person that was on floor. Wow, and then it's accountability without accountability almost because you know if the property was 179, it's one of two agents that's going to get it. Correct. And, you know, if one sells 30 houses in a year and the other sells 10, then you obviously know that that team is working a lot more efficiently with the leads. Same thing with the work. Yeah. Just enough to be able to, you know, keep track of it and yeah. make it blatant. Yeah. Yeah. And every lead that comes in, my receptionist, we have an Excel spreadsheet. She puts it into the Excel spreadsheet. So every month I know how, exactly how many leads came in. I know exactly who got what. And then I track the leads each agent gets to appointments, to buyer agency contracts, to contracts. So I know what the ratios are, right? So I can tell pretty quickly, hey, Greg, it's taking you 25 leads to get an appointment. What's going on? Now, in our office, we don't do pay-per-click, okay? So our leads, we don't get, you know, 70 leads a day. We get probably, we average maybe 20 leads a week. But keep in mind, almost every inquiry into our office are people that are calling on a house specifically, and they tend to be much better, you know, much better quality leads. The conversion ratio is much, much higher. Okay. So my people aren't sitting there sifting through hundreds and hundreds of paper clicks where you have a conversion ratio of maybe one to three percent. 
Yeah, fascinating. So, okay, so explain that a little bit more, if you would, just in somebody doesn't really walk through it. But, you know, I hear what you're saying. Well, I guess the question is, obviously, that was a conscious decision on your part. Why did you decide that? I decided because, you know what, when people sit there and they talk about, you know, what things cost, right? No one ever takes into account the cost of manpower. Mm. And when you have a pay-per-click system that is sending you, you know, where, seriously, a lot of them have conversion ratios of 1% to 3%, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah, five. Probably less than that, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what happens is you have these, you know, trained salespeople, skilled salespeople spending 50% of their time sifting through this stuff, right? My salespeople are highly skilled. I don't want them spending all this time sifting. I'd rather have them be working with qualified leads. Now, I'm the top listing agent in town. I, have a, so my, I carry good listing inventory. And so what happens, we get, good, we get good calls, right? Good buyer calls. And you know, I always say the best marketing tool is a good listing. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox, full of items of utility simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox that's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999 that's toolbox to 444-999 And so we actually tried to, there's one point where we thought, okay, let's increase leads into the office, see if we can do more business. So I signed up for some pay-per-click programs. And within a month, my buyer agent came to me, Martin, turn, this, you know, turn it off, turn it off. It was driving them crazy because it was distracting them from the, from the, the, you know, the, in their opinion, the qualified leads. Yeah. And they say that, you know, on average, somebody that fills out a form online especially when they're forced to, you know, if they have a system, right. Boomtown or Commission Inc. And they're, and they're forced to, you know, after the fourth view or the fifth view, put in their name and cell number. But generally, they're on five other real estate agent sites or oh, yeah. already on five other, you know, people's radars. Just in that, it's a five yeah. to one ratio. And so yours, you're saying yeah. much less than that because they're, they're calling on this specific one. This is the only one that they're interested in that in, in at that time. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, Pat. I did a, a study about three or four weeks ago. I hired this intern, and she went to the top 25 agents' websites in our marketplace, pretended she was the buyer, put in a specific address you know, of a property in the MLS so that the, the agent knew the price point in the neighborhood. And then she, we got a couple of phone numbers and a fake. You know, we made up a bunch of email addresses. And we waited to see what happened. Absolutely stunned. Not one person, not one agent out of 25 people followed up more than day three. Only, I forget the exact stats. I think only two people or three people followed up more than once. 
Not one buyer was put on any kind of an IDX search. Uh, I mean, it's awful. And you'd be surprised, the average, only two people responded within five minutes. Hmm. And the average response time was over, was like, like in almost two hours. It just blew me away. And I showed that to my team, says, you guys, this shows you what rubber games are. Keep in mind, there's 25 people who barely did any kind of follow-up, but there were two that did within five minutes. And we have to make sure we beat those two because if that consumer reaches, well, they just have to reach one realtor, right? And they're done. And I don't want to ever hear, no, that was a shitty lead if you took an hour to respond to it. Because what happened is there's only two people that respond within five minutes, but that's who probably the buyer connected with. There's no reason to contact you anymore. Yeah, and that's the dialogue too, isn't it? Now that you say that, that's a shitty lead. That's what they say. The leads are all crap. And really what they're saying is, I didn't, I didn't have speed to lead. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's, all about, it's all about speed to lead. And it's all about, like we said before, follow up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the follow up was pathetic. There was, like I said, after day two, it completely dropped off. Yeah. And, and you'd be surprised how many people did, how many didn't respond at all. That was the other amazing thing. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know who does that, right? And I think what's happened is that they've become so disheartened with the quality of these leads that they're like, I'm only going to, you know, follow up if I have a really bad month, you know, or, or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, or next week when I have time, you know. Well, I had a discussion with my team because, you know, you're always looking for ways to increase business. And I said, listen, you guys, I already spend, you know, basically $300,000 on marketing. And I'm not spending another penny if we're taking 30 minutes or an hour to respond to leads. I'm not going to do it. You know, it's just, right. and uh, until you get, you know, until you can prove that you can res respect the amount of money I spend by responding appropriately, I'm, we're, we're, I'm not doing anything more. So right now, and that was a real eye opener. What, what kind of market are you in right now, Martin? We're, I'll tell you, we're in a real shifting market. Like March, April, May, June, it was crazy. We were, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight offers. We'd have people buying, paying 50, as high as 15, 60,000 over the list. Wow. What's happened now, we are still low inventory, but the buyers are, we're not like, for instance, if I, uh, in even some of the primo neighborhoods, I'll get multiple offers, but almost no one's going over list price. Hmm. So it's tough in that buyers are sort of fed up and sellers are still greedy. <laughs> You know, and so what happens is the houses that are priced right sell immediately within a day or a week. And the stuff that doesn't sell is overpriced and it sits forever because the sellers aren't realistic. And so it's a very, very odd market. You know, this spring, I could have put anything on the market and would have sold no matter what. Not now. So still very low inventory, but your house has got to be, has got to be tip top shape and it's got to be priced correctly if you want it to sell. So, so essentially it's slowed on you. Oh, yeah, like July was abysmal. Like I said, we were on track for 25% growth this year. July, my business in July was down 50% from last year. Wow. Written business, written business. Yeah. Now, this month, we're 50% 50, we're 50 ahead of last year. So, hmm. yeah, but the inventory in the, in the board of realtors, all the numbers are down. You know, listings are down 17%. Sales are up or, no, actually, sales were actually down this, this last month. So, it's just, it's a very weird market, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of signs that say we should shift, but the lack of inventory and the strong job growth we have in our area is a counter to that, right? And so where's it going to go? I'm not sure yet. Hmm. That's very interesting. Well, it's interesting to hear. Well, I mean, you know, I haven't quite heard that uh, people have had that drastic of a shift, 50% in number of units, but that's, that's certainly just uh, one month and who knows? It could that's be one month. Yeah. Like I said, this month we're up. 
50% so far, month to date, 50% ahead of last, last August. So, you know, I mean, it, it's like I always say, one month I, is just an outlier. Two months is come to get concerned about three months is a trap. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's why I get real nervous. So what are, you, what are you guys doing in this seller's market to make sure that like, or what are your buyer agents doing, I should say, because as a listing agent, there's not much you need to do other than get the damn listing. So what, what are they doing? Right buyer agents doing to beat out multiple offers? They're number one, they're, they're having really, you know, they're having really hard conversations with them in the consultation, right? They're telling them this is not a market to play in. They also, you know, they simply say, listen, you've got to listen to me. Now, Scott and Heidi, like I said, they have a phenomenal reputation. They've been doing this for 15 years and they'll educate them. So listen, you guys, you're going to have to, you're going to probably have to write over list. You're going to probably have to put an escalation clause in. You're going to definitely have to put in there that you make up the difference between sale price and appraisal. And if you're not willing to do that under certain price points in certain neighborhoods, don't even waste your time, right? I mean, it's just an honest conversation. Luckily, because we have such a good reputation within the real estate community and people know Scott and Heidi and know they do a credible job, that also works to our favor. But we make sure that, you know, the, the buyer understands the conditions of the market. We also make sure they work with a local lender because that can make a difference, right? We also don't insist on split closings because that can rule you out. We call the listing agent and find out everything that the seller wants. Like, what, you know, what would they like for, for occupancy? You know, and try to find out as much information ahead of time. It's amazing how many people send over offers and never even talk to the listing agent, right? And then the other thing is when they, when they present the offer, they have an absolutely complete package, starting with a letter from the buyer. They have a, you know, the contract is written out professionally and completely. They've got a copy of the EMD, a copy of pre-approval letter, you name it, you know, so that that listing agent doesn't have to spend one minute on the phone to the buyer's agent. I get offers all day long. I look at it, but there's nothing in there. You know, there's no pre-approval letter. I know nothing about the buyer. The sales agreement's filled out incorrectly. So I have to make phone calls. And when I've got five offers on my desk, guess what? I'm not going to pay too much attention to those offers that come in only complete. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll make phone calls, but in the back of my head, I'll be going, you know what? This is not going to go real smooth. Right, right. You already know if they've, if they've started off with a sloppy offer, the whole right. thing will be sloppy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you said split closings. What do you mean by that? Oh, in Michigan... You know, you have to, you have a mortgage, you have title insurance, right? You've got seller's policy and the, own, the owner's policy and the mortgage policy. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know, the seller provides title insurance, right? And, and an owner's policy to the buyer. And then the buyer has to provide a mortgage policy to the lender. Since a lot of real estate companies now own title companies, what they try to do to make some extra money is they have their title company provide the mortgage policy. So all of a sudden you've got two title companies in the middle. And the title company that belongs to the buyer is the one who's controlling the funds. And it creates huge hiccups. And there's no advantage to the buyer. It's simply a money grab by brokers. Title companies owned by brokers. It's really what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you go to Geico, State Farm, or Nationwide. It shouldn't affect, and this is for regular insurance. I'm using this example. As long as they're all charging the same price, the buyer doesn't give a crap which company they use. Right. And that's the same right. title insurance. They don't care if it's Chicago or no. Pacific or whatever. And so, no. so, so they're saying, so they want to do that. And then the second title company doesn't really have that profit margin, you know, because a lot of times that's how they make the, the majority of the profit is on that lender's title policy. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's a real, it creates an awful lot of extra work and a lot of errors, you know, because you have two title companies involved. And a lot of times, these broker title companies aren't as on the ball as they should be. No, it's, it's a real headache. When you're doing a lot of transactions and there's split closings, it creates lots of headaches. Are you allowed to put no split closings in the MLS? Or how, what do you do to avoid, you know, that headache? How, what are you doing proactively? When we're in multiple offer situations, I will simply talk to the agents and say, listen, you know, we have multiple offers here. And if there's a split closing, that puts you, you know, I would recommend that you don't do it. You know, it, it gets to that point to where, like, you know, trying to control what lenders people go to, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you got to be careful with that. I mean, I had uh, last year we had a lender that was out of area. It was a multiple offer situation. I said, you know, will your person go with the local lender? They said, absolutely not. And it says, okay, well, I can tell you from experience at the end of the year, every time we look at what fell apart mortgage-wise, I can say 99% of them were these out-of-area lenders. Local lenders, I can say it's pretty much zero. And so you're telling me you won't, you know, have them go to a local lender. And then I got accused of trying to steer the client and they were threatening a lawsuit. And, you know, so I'm just yeah, very, very careful. You're only steering if you're, right? I mean, you're... Yeah, I don't even know if that's illegal. It's not illegal. You can steer so long as it, you're not making a profit on it, right? So yeah. it wasn't like you had a commission set in place with every local lender. Oh, um, no, no, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm no, trying I, to help I, them make I, I their offer look the best. I would almost say, you know, I, I know some people that actually will write out addendums that say you will X, you will Y. And I think in both of those cases, there's probably some verbiage you could say that says they will, you know, get pre-qualified by a local lender. You know, this does not exclude them from using an out-of-area lender, but it's at least, you know, getting them pre-qualified with one. And there will be no split closings. You know, I, I almost think that as a, if you get, providing you get the seller's agreement on it, nothing wrong with a seller. Yeah. Saying, hey, no, I'm not having it. It's I know some agents are, yeah, some agents are starting to do that, you know, because it is, it's, it's a huge headache. It's a huge headache. But yeah, I'm always very careful with that because the last thing I want, you know, and so I just tell people, hey, listen, you guys, I'm talking to you from 30 years of experience. And if you want to help you buy, get the house, these are the things that will make it a lot easier is sort of how I sort of word it. Yeah, no, I love it. All, all good stuff. Well, well, this has been awesome, Martin. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come out on the show today. I'll give you the last word. Anything, any piece of advice you want to leave with the Rockstar Nation? Um, you know, I, I guess probably, you know, you get the biggest thing, especially about growth and all that. I didn't, we didn't talk as much about that, uh, is, is your staff, right? And what I've done I've, over the last year or two, I've got great staff and I'm just really, really learning to lead them to their maximum success so that I will become successful, you know, just through basically, you know, direct and honest conversations, right? And so, especially if you're going to grow a team, I think that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I could get is to make sure you have a phenomenal support staff that you can delegate to and grow your business so that you can eventually step out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you should always like in the Stephen Covey books, begin with the end in mind and you've clearly started to at least begin with the end in mind and like let me step out where you've got you know two listing agents now and basically stepped out of that and then, then the next step obviously is just the management and once you've stepped out of that you're good to go right no absolutely absolutely yeah well awesome buddy well listen i'm going to put all of martin's information on hybendigital.com backslash martin bauma two the number two, and that's B-O-U-M-A. 
B-O-U-M-A. If you have any referrals for Ann Arbor, Michigan or surrounding areas, please look Martin up. All his contact information will be there. Martin, thanks again for coming on, buddy. And uh, we'll definitely have to get together soon and break some bread. Absolutely. Hey, great talking with you, Pat. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening, and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.